0: Hello, hello. Welcome to Ami Tuckered Out. I am your host, Ami Tucker Ravel. It is the 22nd of December in this year that shall not be named. And although this is my last interview episode for this crap bag of a year, I am doing something a little different next week for my final, final episode. So stay tuned. I thought, why not end this year with a comedian? Lord knows we all need to go to a stand-up show once we're allowed to breathe again. Mimesh Patel is an American comedian and television writer. In 2017, he became the first Indian-American writer on SNL, Saturday Night Live, for those of you that have been under a rock. Patel was nominated for an Emmy Award for Outstanding Writing for his work on SNL, and he has worked with Chris Rock, Hasan Minhaj, Michael Che, and is currently, wait for it, a staff writer for the new season of A Little Late with Lily. And yes, I did try to get him to hire me. His new adult animation series, Zoo Idiots, is out now and we talk and laugh about it all. Please enjoy my interview with Namesh Patel. So Nimesh Patel from New Jersey. One of many. Yeah. Did you become a comedian? Because you were basically born into like a low hanging fruit joke. Like this is <laughs> like how how many Patels do you think are there now in, in uh, the state of Jersey?
1: I'm, I'm from Parsippany. And when I was growing up, there were, I think, at least three, myself included, Nimesh Patels in the area. That's how many Patels there were. It was like, I want, I think my graduating class had like. Twenty-four. My graduating high school class had like twenty-four Patels. I think something like that, or like my school had twenty-four or something. So it was. I grew up pretty atypical than uh, at least some of my uh, comedian peers that are Indian. In that I was surrounded by Indian people, right? Uh, like flooded with them.
0: And um, did all the all these Patel people, all your Indian brothers and sisters, did they think they were as funny as you?
1: They were all hilarious in the yep. right? Um, And they all uh, made me laugh probably more than anyone, you know, has ever made me laugh. You know, like I think I'm surrounded by people who are funnier than me, but just not on stage. You know what I mean? I'll say this. I'm funnier than all of them for sure.
0: All
1: right. I like it. They just make me laugh the most. You know what I mean? Right, Right. I'm a thousand percent funnier than all of my cousins, but they're all like a thousand percent better at the things that they're good at. But they I, can know. they can
0: they can execute in a, in a, s- a smaller stage basically than you can. I mean, yeah. you didn't you did win an Emmy for God's sake. So. Uh,
1: I, uh, I was nominated for one.
0: Nominated. I, all right, we have can yet just, to
1: win one. But thank you for predicting the We
0: future. can just lie. It's Trump era still. It's fine. <laughs> no no big deal. Look, I googled your name. The fact that you were the first Namesh Patel to come up means you have made it because I there's <laughs> probably about. You know, eight to ten thousand, at least in the U.S. So there's a so that, lot
1: of them, and that's I hope a that's a big me. deal,
0: yeah. And, <laughs> and, and and by the way, in my forty years of life, I've dated a few Patels. Mm-hmm. So, because I, I mean, there's so many of you guys, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I, I was pretty sure I was going to become one.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: somehow got out of it. Don't know. Dodge,
1: how. dodge uh, the bullet.
0: Yeah, dodge dodge the bullet with you guys. Um, so no, nah, all good guys, all good guys. So, Dada or Nana immigrated to the United States from Dada. India, Dada, in the 70s. And this is a Wikipedia fact because you have to look at that. Mm-hmm. Worked as a cashier at Macy's, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. What about mom and dad?
1: Bam Burgers. That's what it was called when that's how old, that's how long ago he uh, worked at Macy's. It was still called Bam Burgers. It was a big store in Newark. I remember going. Uh, mom and dad, dad landed, I don't know, 79? Okay. Something like that. Um, I don't remember the year my mom did. Dad worked at a liquor store. Mom worked at a company um, that made pet products. And that was it. That was uh, the upbringing of Patil. I mean, still is that.
0: <laughs> so, so, were you guys in a uh, big ham uh, family setting?
1: Uh, at the beginning, yeah, it was three bedroom house. My grandpa, my aunts, uncles. And then, like, quickly people started moving out. My parents, my mom and dad moved to, we got like a one bedroom uh, apartment. So we lived in there until third grade, third grade. We got my, they rented a house and then eventually bought a house and then downsized a few, like right when I left college and that was it. It's
0: a very, a very common Indian immigrant story. Mm-hmm. Right. And they, and they're all still there in Jersey.
1: Then no one's left. <laughs> it's great.
0: Hey, look, I, I'm not going to make fun of Jersey anymore. I've I've found through the years that Jersey is a fantastic state.
1: It's a and, and fantastic probably one of the state. probably
0: I think one of the richest states too. So you really can't make fun of it. I mean, um, it's and it's I do, well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I sometimes when I need my Balabot shock I, I head over to Jersey. Actually, if your mom cooks that, let me know because I am missing that very much. The
1: GBSR? I mean, there's none of that in, of that in Connecticut.
0: Uh. I can make the D, and the B, and the S, but the R is just—I mean, it's just a waste of time. The, yeah, but you can now buy that—that that, like insanely expensive machine that just makes it for you, something like that. It's just Gramos, not worth it.
1: You can buy grandmas. <laughs>
0: that, yeah, yeah, that too. That too. I'm just gonna go hang out your house, basically. So what's gonna happen? So typical Gujarati childhood. Awesome. And do you speak Gujarati at all? Can I bust out with it during the interview?
1: I speak Gujarati, uh, please, if you feel like speaking it, go for it.
0: Mine's pretty ghetto, um, but every once in a while when I interview Gujarati people, I get excited. And Uh so, yeah. And then you were a good Indian boy, of course, and you pretended to be a pre-med student, correct?
1: Uh, So to speak, good. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I did the whole thing. Uh, Yeah. Pre-med, finance, neither one of those panned out. So I don't know how how strong that word good holds. But uh, uh, I mean, I actually wanted to be a doctor.
0: Oh, for real.
1: I I did. I, I wanted to be one up until junior year of college. And then I did poorly in Orgo 1. And I was like, and then I took two days of Orgo 2. I was like, this ain't for me. But then I like even after I graduated, I was like, should I go back and get my post back? And I was like, I got accepted and accepted. But like, I guess accepted, but into like Rutgers post back thing. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Um, I like reneged on that. But it was like and still now I'm like, if I were a doctor, I would be fixing healthcare because these clowns aren't doing shit. Uh, never too I, late, my friend. No, no, no it's too late. Uh, <laughs> uh, unless like someone wants to give me of a, a, uh, one of these honorary degrees. Also, who's I don't I would never spend you know two hundred thousand dollars now yeah. <laughs> to, go, to go to fucking med school.
0: Just get uh, like a like a. Alternative medicine kind of degree, and then pretend. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'll do. I'll do uh, chiropractic.
0: Right, right. I just had an interview with one of my friends who practices Ayurveda, so you can you can do that. Nice. Um, I thought, I, I, yeah, yeah. I had the same story. I did pre med, and then organic chem hit, and I was like, "Well, I'm going to fail that, so mm-hmm. let me move on." So I that, and then then went into finance like you. So, uh-huh. and, and now I'm doing this. So nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll get I'll get my Emmy one day. What, um,
1: you, what kind of, were you a banker?
0: Uh, no, I, so I did the, the pre-med bullshit. I went to UT Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of Patels there as well. Uh, my first boyfriend actually was a Raj Patel, nice. uh, but that's a whole other podcast. Um, and then did the business economics undergrad thing at UT. I mean, hated it. I don't even, I mean, I did it just cause. My brother mm-hmm. was already a doctor. I'm like, All right, I gotta do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked at Enron. I'm not no, sure I... if you're okay, You remember Enron. <laughs> and then after Enron, Thank that, you for your service. you're welcome. Shredding papers is hard work. I have, still have scratches from that. Then I decided I wanted to be famous somehow, even though I have no talent. And I worked on a film set with the, the wonderful Cal Penn and Lisa Ray for about nice. six months. Mm-hmm. Moved to Bombay for a year, tried it out there. Uh, then my mom and dad were like, "You need to get your ass back here." Uh-huh. So then I went to law school, and I was, became a lawyer. Wow. Yeah, I've had like twelve different careers. It's just quite yeah. the quite the path. Uh, I, I, I get there's more to it, but this is about you today. we'll we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll hang out. We'll gra- we'll grab a drink.
1: Almost got you. Uh,
0: yes, yes. Um, okay. So then you went to where'd you go? You went to Stern, right?
1: Yes, uh, undergrad. That's why. That's where I went to undergrad. So undergrad. they have an undergrad uh, business program, and that's what. That's what I was in.
0: All right. So, this whole time, you, I mean, you just said you wanted to be a doctor. So, you actually generally wanted to be, but you knew you, you were funny. You knew you wanted to do something else, I assume. Uh,
1: it, it didn't. I, I enjoyed making people laugh. And uh, I remember thinking of stand up sets, but I never, I was never like, I'm going to be a comedian. It didn't even hit me as a job you could do. Like, I never, I never processed that as a job or like a TV writer as a job. I'm sure I thought of it, but I don't remember. Oh, I'm a, that's a worthwhile thing to pursue and it doesn't hit your brain because you're never exposed to it when you're right. I, I never was. I was never told that's a job. Ju- you could be a comedy writer. Now I, thought, I knew about being a journalist, but I never thought about being a comedy writer. Right. And so when I graduated, I graduated in 08. I wasn't the best student on paper, given that all my prerequisites were pre-med classes that I wasn't doing too in. And so uh, when I graduated, I had like two investment banking super days like before I graduated, and so I th- I really thought I was going to get one of them. I didn't get either one of them. So when I graduated, I was like, "Fuck, I don't got a job," <laughs> and I couldn't scramble fast enough to find another one. Nine months later, I was uh, laid off from that temp job and bored out of my mind. I was like, "I got to do something." Yeah, uh, took a like one of these sappy writing classes at NYU. And I was like, this shit is corny as fuck. Um, But uh, a few days later, I was like, I want to see if I can do something funny. So I wrote a stand-up set, found an open mic to go to in New Jersey at Stress Factory, invited all my cousins um, because that's what you needed to do. And also I wanted them there. And then it was like 20 of us showed up. I went up to four minutes, three minutes, and it didn't go poorly. It went well relatively to what I think most people's first open mics are after that. I was like, fuck it. This seems fun. Let's see what I can do. And then I was like, it was like hooked. Yeah. It's like, you're just like, I didn't, I didn't articulate. This is what I want to do. I just went and just pursued it like harder than anything I've ever pursued.
0: It just all came together for you. Were you working like during the daytime day job stuff?
1: Not for like a year and change for a year and change. I was like looking for work, um, trying to like underemployed at like internships and shit. And then I got a, an internship with my friend's hedge fund. Um, he kind of let me like build my resume up and then I got, and then like a year in to comedy, I got a job and then I moved to the city cause I was luckily my parents were in Jersey, but in like 40 minutes away, Jersey. Yeah. So I could commute. And so I was like taking a bus every day at like 3 PM into new, into New York. So I could do open mics and then getting like four or five mics in, and hopefully making the one o'clock bus back. That was always the goal. And I did that for like a year or something, year and a half or whatever. Um, until I got a job and this that paid me enough to like could live in a I could split a one bedroom with a friend. <laughs> you
0: can you can live you can live in a closet, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I of, lived in a
1: living room. It wasn't a closet.
0: But. Yeah. Well look, we've all been there. I've had uh-huh. some pretty dirty apartments in in New York. So at this time, were your parents like, like, what is this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember distinctly my mom. I remember I was walking to the bus bus stop and I remember getting a call from my mom asking, you're going to New York again? I was like, yeah. She's like, are you getting paid for this? <laughs> are you this comedy that you're doing? Are you like, seeing
0: it like a girl or something? Or is it something useful?
1: So, I was like... No, I have to pay most of the time, but it's what I want to do and I just fucking I just did it. Um and they were definitely until probably until like until I got that job that put me in the city. Um, right. they were like what the fuck is going on? And then once I was in the city and like just paying my own rent, right. um they're like okay, like, you know, we got your back no matter what, but you know, just uh make sure you you can pay rent (laughs) and and eat yeah and then I you know whenever my mom or dad got stressed like every three or four months or whatever to the point where they were like what is he doing with his life then I would get a call like maybe you should go get your MBA like "Ah, no I don't think I want to do that you know just talk him off a ledge and then repeat that cycle and now like those calls are less and less uh, frequent because it's been a very long time that I've been
0: paying my bills with comedy so like you said in one of your, in I think one of your standups, you're like your dad just said, I'm not going to argue with you anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm done. I'm done. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, I mean, like most of our parents, they're also worried about like, what's the community going to say? What are people saying about this? So, like, what were they telling their their crew in Jersey? You were doing at uh-huh. their, you know, key tree parties or whatever they had.
1: No, they they was. I mean, there was no hiding the comedy. Good for them. No, it was like, of course, this is what he wants to do.
0: Right. <laughs> doing, right. You know,
1: it's like writing or looking at like. I'm sure they, I'm sure they would never said like, oh, he's unemployed or whatever. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure that, I'm sure my mom and dad definitely weren't like, oh yeah, he, he's not working for it. <laughs> <laughs> But they definitely, they were definitely not shy from telling people, oh yeah, he's doing comedy, um, whatever that is. And I'm, I, I'm sure like it was very vague to them too. Cause it was very, I, I was not very forthcoming with exactly the process of it all because right like it's such a thing to have to explain to your parents. Right. Well, and and I didn't even process, you know, if I think if I processed what I was doing, uh, it, I would have seen the futility at some point. (laughs) I would have been like, wait, what? Yeah. You You Uh, can't,
0: you can't, you can't analyze it too much. Yeah. And it's a common story for all of us to kind of, you know, tell our parents kind of what we're doing, but you know, keep it simple. There's, yeah. there's no need for the details, right? Um, my dad
1: is like my biggest fan. My dad and my mom are my, they watch everything. It's so funny.
0: Who's the funny one?
1: They're both hilarious. Uh, my dad is definitely like a sniper.
0: <laughs> Love it.
1: Uh, he's definitely a sniper. He's just like the funniest guy.
0: I feel like um, Indian uncles are an inspiration to us all, right? Like our dads just naturally have something in them that yeah, we all. Just- yeah
1: because they come if you think about i mean when i what i remember most about going to india with my parents is how at home my dad felt just like talking at everybody you know like all doors are open you just walk into people's houses and have conversations and then just chill out all day and you know reach out and meet meet up with friends and hang out and
0: like it's a life
1: that like that he like came alive there to the point where he's like i want to I want to spend like six months there and six months here. And it's just like, uh, and obviously that couldn't happen for a while, but so I I think that's how they all grew up. Right. They all grew up. Like, I think at least people I know grew up just talking to everybody and and being open and funny and that kind of carries over here.
0: Right. And, And being Guju, I feel like there's just so much to make fun of in general.
1: Yeah, I, I'll talk about ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's not. He doesn't. He doesn't make fun of himself. He's definitely more just like an observational, yeah, and, and cheerful guy. It's it's great. And, and my awesome. mom is my mom is funny with her sarcasm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Got to love our Indian parents. So obviously, stand up is like insanely hard. It seems super difficult to get into and to be successful at. Mm-hmm. I mean, there had been times you were like, "What the fuck am I doing? Like, I should stop."
1: I never thought I'm going to quit. I never thought uh, it's not a thought that crosses my brain. I've definitely thought, let me dip my toes back in finance. Right. And let me see if I can get a a finance job that could then I could just do stand up and like find like in my in my finance jobs. You know, the first job I had, I worked as a research assistant at a hedge fund and they had no idea that I was doing comedy and, you know, I don't present as someone who's necessarily going to stay a research assistant. You know, the, the expectations of someone who hires me is that, oh, this guy is definitely overqualified to be a research assistant, but I can groom him into becoming an analyst the way I want.
0: Right. Hedge fund
1: was definitely one of those places. And so when I was like, I'm going to fuck out right, my work is done, you know, printing the reports at the end of the day is done for everybody. And the notes I got to transcribe whatever is done. Six o'clock. I'm gonna fucking, I gotta hop on this train so I can go do open mics. And that was not a, a fun situation for anyone because I could, I didn't want to tell them I was doing comedy and they were like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah. So after that job, I made sure everyone knew I was doing comedy and that I needed a work life balance. And that's the only reason I was taking a job I was clearly overqualified for. Right. I was lucky in that I had those kinds of managers who were like understanding and uh, let me do that. Right. And, you know, supported it. You know, like I, I had to, the first place I worked, the founder of the firm was like, you're going to do some time at the Christmas party. And it was like so much fun doing that. And then, you know, the second place I worked, like all the, it was a very small family office. So like my my peers or my uh, coworkers would just come to shows and stuff. And so that was like a different. So I got very lucky. Right. Um, so when I was thinking about diving back into it, um, every time there's like a big lull in my um, uh, career resume, the comedy career resume, those there are moments in that in those gaps, where I'm like, hmm, I, sh- I could still dabble in com in in the world of finance somehow, you know, like because now I know that. If I were to get back into finance, um, I would definitely mostly just do stand up and you know, take a writing gig here, a writing gig there, but I could just do stand up and then have a finance job that gives me flexibility. Right. But I never thought, I'm over this shit. I'm time to hang it up and find, you know, because it'd be impossible. I would never, I could not live with myself and I just love it too much.
0: That's awesome. So, on a side note, were you ever asked, are you always asked to do like stand up at the big fat Indian weddings?
1: I've been asked to do a stand-up at Indian weddings uh, once or twice, but I've, I've either said no or been like, uh, pff, it's probably not for me. I think I emceed one for a friend. Right. Um, and I just didn't like it. I, yeah. It, it, you know, it just didn't feel right for me. Uh,
0: it seems like it would be too stiff for you. Like, you probably couldn't be, like, splurging out all your mater- the material you would want to.
1: I mean, emceeing is different than... Right. Just- you know doing stand up, but right. even that, like stand up, it just feels like I'd have to be assured that um, the group would be receptive, and it would also have to be like a shit ton of money.
0: <laughs> solid, solid, solid reason.
1: So I haven't done the whole wedding thing. I, I friends have done it.
0: Um, the, the wedding circuit. Maybe you can do that in like your fifties or sixties or something.
1: Oh no, I'll be dead by then.
0: No, you'll be you'll you'll be there. No worry, no worry. Oh. So then you're doing stand up 2015 in Greenpoint and get discovered by someone named Chris Rock, because that happens all the time.
1: Yeah, that was,
0: <laughs> uh, what, Did you know he was going to be there? Like, how did this happen?
1: I used to run a show called Broken Comedy, um, which is uh, a very storied show that was founded by this guy, Mike Denny. Um, and he brought myself and Michael Che on to become residents of that show. Um, and then eventually through, you know, just like, a natural sort of transition, you know, we all came to like host the show. And once that happened, it, it, we took that show started probably 2011. And then like 2012, 2013, like it was like, okay. Like, you know, like sometimes it'd be like 20 people there. Other nights it'd be like eight people there. And it was like, right. a, it's like probably a 40 person room and it's like the best. Although it feels full at 40 or so. Yeah. And so, I think 2013, Che got a lot of heat, uh, got pretty hot as a comic, and then, like, tons of people started coming out. By 2015, we were, like, the show. Um, One of two shows in New York that were, like, yo, you got to go do that or watch or hang out. Right. One night that summer, this comic Langston Kerman was supposed to perform. Langston is now an actor. I mean, still a comedian, obviously. Um, He's done, like, Insecure and stuff. Yep. I think he's a head writer on a new show, Uh, but he was slated to perform. And this guy, Tony Hernandez, who uh, is the head of Jax, was going to come watch Langston and bring this guy. He wanted to attach to a pilot that Tony and Langston were working on to like EP maybe. And that guy happened to be Chris Rock, but Langston got there on time, but Chris was late. So, Langston couldn't go up and it was my show and no other comic was there. And so uh, Mike Denny was hosting. Kevin McCaffrey went first and like destroyed the room. Like it was like the hottest show that, that it was like the hottest the show's ever been. And then I was like, all right. Uh, and then uh, my producer got a text saying, oh, Chris Rock is here. Chris Rock is outside. I was like, oh, shit, Chris Rock is outside. And then I was like, all right, I'm going up. And then Chris walks in. And I'm like, now I'm definitely going up. And, you know, Danny gets off, brings me up. I just remember, you know, telling one or two jokes and that uh, Chris laughed at one of them. And then the rest of it was just like kind of blacked out and just did like my best material. Got off stage, you know, everyone laughed, got off stage, went outside. Chris came up after watching Langston and was like, hey, man, you're really funny. I was like, thank you. Uh
0: were you like uh, peeing in your pants at this point?
1: I was so high from performing still that I was like, God, that was nuts. The I mean, that was the craziest set ever. And, and Chris Rock just laughed. I was like, yo, I'm done. And so I wasn't like shook. I was like, oh, my gosh. I was just like the whole order. Yeah. And then a few months later. Langston and I and a bunch of other writers uh got an email saying hey Chris wants you to write for the Oscars uh, you know and it was nuts uh, I guess Langston had a fantastic set that night too so it was it was a lot of fun uh but that uh, I don't I, I credit that to the stars aligning right uh, one of those uh crazy ass nights that you know everything felt right everything was right and I needed a sign from the universe
0: and I got one I mean that's a, that's a pretty big sign my friend um your team the team you're talking about langston and how did you meet these guys that you're working with che i just met
1: um you know doing stand-up i think i met i think he started like three months after i did okay and uh we became fast friends okay Um, and you know when denny saw us he just happened we were che and i would be like at the same shows a lot and so we'd perform at the same shows a lot and uh, with Denny, I guess, saw us one night or two nights and was just like, hey, I like these guys. Let's kind of allies, both of them separately to be residents of the show that I'm starting. And that was it. And so, you know, through that and like uh, through that show and then just, you know, doing comedy together for a very long time. Right. Um, you know, that's so, uh, how Che and I know each other. And then Langston, it was just like Langston's a comic in New York. He's a friend of mine. He just happened to be at that show that night that uh, Chris saw us both. And so we were tied in that special moment together um and i remember langston myself michelle wolf we'd all gotten the same email that day in like mid-november like hey guys you're writing for the oscars And i just remember at the new york comedy festival Rat party at like stk or something we all all three of us saw each other in the middle of the at the bar and we were all just like ah,
0: ah yes uh, <laughs> right. yeah so are you oh, still yeah. working with them
1: Oh, I mean, no, I mean, Langston's doing his thing. Okay. Michelle is doing her thing. I'm doing my thing. Uh, but we all know each other.
0: Yeah, it? yeah. So, I, I mean, quick question about, like, the comedy s- circuit, I guess, in New York. It's It would s- appear to the outsider that, you know, there's a lot of comedians out there trying to make it out here. So, it's, it would seem like a big circuit. But is it? Or do you guys all kind of know each other eventually or meet each other?
1: I think the people who stay in it tend to know each other. We've all, you know, New York is big and small yeah, and running to each other at the same shows and the Instagram algorithm puts the other pe- piece, you know, the people who uh, you're closest to, or right. um, what's it called in proximity, even, you know, on your feed better or more often. So, I mean, uh, the circuit gets smaller, but that's not to say I know everybody there right. are, there's tons of people I don't know who are, you know, been doing comedy just as long as I have and have their own uh, uh, people that they know but I think like most people of a class of comedy know of each other or know each other know each way. other
0: yeah. yeah well the Instagram algorithm is running our lives right it's yes. basically uh, telling us what to do every day so skipping ahead you also wrote material for Hasan Minaj, his White House Correspondents Association dinner mm-hmm. did you know the time that it was going to blow up like it did
1: It's hard to predict virality, but I know that the year before we had done the Congressional Correspondence Dinner. Okay. And one of those jokes went viral. Um, And so I was like, in my back of my head, I was like, oh, this is going to be huge. But I never expected, you know, I don't think anyone expected it to be like an exponential growth in his trajectory, you know?
0: Right. I feel like like that was it. That was his... I mean, he was obviously a name beforehand, but that was a big mm-hmm. jump, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And how did you guys, how did you start working with him?
1: i known husband for 15 years oh. before I started comedy. Because um, he, in high school, I went to this Columbia University math camp. Shout out to Columbia for taking my money. <laughs> um, Uh, I went to Columbia University, basically math camp for parents who wanted to send their kids to a summer program because they thought it would help their chances of getting into a school. Um, Pre-med, pre-med. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and uh, I was like a chem, I took like a chem class there, and there was like four or five Indian people on that campus, and we all just sort of met each other, became friends, and that one of them happened to be Bina, um, who was Hudson's wife. Right. And so Bina and I became close. We were good friends. And so when she started dating Hudson, uh, I was like, oh, okay, cool. And, and when Hudson was coming to New York to do a, what's it called? Stand Up for Diversity Showcase in like 2005 uh, Bina called me and was like, yo, can my boyfriend stay on your couch? I was like, it's a disgusting futon, but sure. <laughs> that shit is gross. <laughs> but yeah, of course I don't care. He must <laughs>
0: love his job.
1: And then, uh, stayed on that couch. We were, you know, I knew him then. And then, you know, in the game, it's just like, uh, you know, when I started, I was talking to him, um, and, you know, stay on top of what he was doing and stuff. And it was just, you know, I've just known him since then. Wow. Um, and then when he moved to New York for The Daily Show, uh, I happened to have an apartment that I was staying in that had an open bedroom with, that had its own bathroom because him and Beans had just got married. And so they, when they needed to move to New York really fast, they stayed in that apartment room for like I don't know, a few months. But it always involves my sofa. <laughs> I was going to
0: ask you did the couch remain in the no, no, place? No. no, no, no. Well, but, uh, I guess he must love you if he stayed on that couch for that long and still talks to you. So
1: I mean no, I mean, no, I mean the, 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 the so the futon for was like for like a, a day and but it was a long day. <laughs> <laughs> the, the apartment room was just, you know, uh, uh, its own thing. But yeah, we had a good time.
0: That's awesome. Well, as long as he didn't grow like a eleventh toe or whatever. You know, <laughs> looks like looks like it worked out. Um would would Bina say you're funnier or Hassan?
1: <laughs> she's definitely saying for sure.
0: <laughs> right now she's saying husband. all right that's cool you, you never know you guys are good friends um, so you are the first Indian American to write for SNL that's a big fucking deal mm-hmm. I mean tell tell me that story how did that even happen
1: uh, you know that was um, summer of 2017 right Che had become I think it was a like good second or third year anchor on update and uh, wanted some help writing and, and you know that was it he was just like uh, I'd like to bring this guy in and that was really it submitted a packet um, but that no one I, that wasn't read from what I understand um, it was just like you know uh I just happened to know che for a very long time and have a had a good understanding of his voice.
0: Awesome. And how was, I mean, how was it? How was the experience?
1: It was great. You know, I mean, I uh, look back very fondly at my time. It was like the Harvard of comedy, you know, Harvard uh, of comedy writing skill schools. It was just like. Writing constantly, I came. I came to hate the news because I wrote an update, um, and I had to read the news all the time. And I just, I still hate the news.
0: <laughs> why? Why would you? I mean, I don't understand why you would hate the news. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, uh, you described uh, I mean, your comedy as what political, social kind of comedy, mm-hmm. right? I think I had read somewhere you were hoping that uh, what's his name became Bobby Jindal. Yeah, you were hoping he would become. Make it so you can just play him on SNL, right?
1: (laughs) Uh, He did not go very Uh, far.
0: You you know what? I I guarantee you, there'll be another Bobby Jindal coming up in our lives, and you know. I can't wait. I I pray for you that he makes it. (laughs) And then, sorry, you didn't get the Emmy. What you will, because you know, throwing it out there, but you got nominated, Mm -hmm. which is not too shabby. It's pretty good.
1: Excited. Uh, I had nothing to do with it, Um, but I'll take the nomination for sure.
0: Just take it. Just say you (laughs) did. It's fine. What was your, uh, I guess, favorite sketch that you wrote or favorite bit that you wrote for SNL?
1: So I was not on the sketch writing side. I was on the update writing side. Update
0: side. What was the the best update that you wrote?
1: My favorite joke that I wrote that got on uh, was Trump called someone in the White House a pretty Korean lady. Worse, it was Jared Kushner, uh, which I think is a fantastic joke. Uh, that's my favorite. And then that was with the assist from um, Josh Patton. And then one, my favorite one that didn't get on was, do you remember that uh, billionaire uh, socialite that looked like a cat? Oh, there's, a, there's a new story, this billionaire socialite that spent – you know, her fortune on surgery that made her look like a cat, yeah. recently declared bankruptcy worse. She looks like a cat. <laughs> so that, that joke didn't make it, <laughs> but oh uh,
0: I mean, I'm laughing. <laughs> uh,
1: I love that joke.
0: Then, uh, then again, I'm a mom of two, two little kids. So, I mean, you know, I, I laugh a lot, but no, I like it. It's good. Look, you got nominated for an Emmy. I can't even say anything.
1: Fine. (laughs) You win. You win. I wrote wrote a lot of bad jokes (laughs) that didn't get on for sure.
0: Keep it for the wedding circuit, my friend. People will laugh. Um, Current projects, Zootopia. I listened to the first episode that was watched.
1: What is it? Zoo idiots! Oh my Zoo-topia.
0: god, Zootopia! You know why? Because we watched Zootopia this weekend with my kids. I'm an idiot. Uh, Zoo idiots. Sorry, uh, I watched the, an episode today. It's only one episode out so far. It's
1: only one episode. Okay, out so, so I
0: watched it. that. Um, and the premise is about it's it's about a z- animals. Monk the orangutan is the main character, uh-huh. and he has to keep his fellow animals alive uh, during this pandemic. That's the premise, it, correct?
1: It, it's a quarantine. Quarantine, the pandemic, or um, what? What has caused the humans to disappear? We just know that the animals are fending for themselves.
0: Right against one thing is a, a ass, eating ass eating bees, bees which was. <laughs> The, the, that was fantastic. Right. The, the The pictures that appear on how the bees ate the ass was great. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> I'm, I'm really. glad there was a visual because I wasn't exactly sure how that was going to happen. Oh, okay. um, love the righteous pe- penguin in there and the insane tiger, of course. Okay, so let's talk about this. I love how I wrote Zootopia, by the way. I'm laughing <laughs> at, at myself. When you become a parent, I'm not sure if you are or not, but when you be- become a parent, you like you just get dumber and dumber. And so oh. my, my brain cells have been gone and I also, I also drink. Um, okay. so zoo idiots, tell me about that.
1: Please. I, I can't stop talking about zoo idiots. Right. Um, back in April of this year or was it April, March? I, th- I want to say April. Um, you know, when the dolphins appeared in the Venice canal, right. uh, I, that's like how I mark the time now. Um, I got an email from a friend of mine who I'd met a few years ago while on a trip and he's an engineer and he hit me up. He's like, hey, myself and a few other friends um, have put together this group, um, a learning group where we try to learn new things uh, all the time. And we have this idea for a Twitter series, a bunch of animal, different accounts on Twitter, animal accounts talking to each other about climate change. And we're all we've all been inspired by this dolphin that has appeared in the Venice Canal. All right. It's made us realize that humans have had such a insane impact on the climate. Um, and obviously, it's a huge story uh, that's played out over uh, many, many years. But this Dolphin thing really hit us as an opportunity to do something weird and fun on, on Twitter to, you know, try to spark some change. And, you know, the guy that hit me up was an engineer, my friend Jeremy. And then his partners, the Pangolin partners, they've you know, now dubbed themselves, are a guy that runs a hedge fund. Like he's a, the head guy of a hedge fund. A banker in Brazil who's a CEO level banker, um, uh, and a a guy who is a venture capitalist and sits on the board of uh, very impressive companies, and so that was the team that was behind what they wanted to do. They wanted to like see if they can spark one small change in humanity that will, you know, hopefully over time, over iterations, have some small impact on climate change. And so they wanted to do this through these Twitter animals. And my friend Jeremy was like, do you think any comedy writer would be interested in doing that? And I was like, no, that is definitely not <laughs> sounds politely. Very dumb. Um, you know, and definitely, and not, no definitely, very,
0: definitely very random. But
1: it, it, it was, it was, it was a interesting idea and I could see how they thought it would play out. Um, but I just thought from a comedian's perspective, like I wouldn't want to spend my time writing something on hoping to make waves on Twitter. That seems like a a very high input, low return on investment uh, plan. And so I was like, you know what? Give me a second, give me a day, give me a beat to think about this. And I hit up my friend, Mookie Thompson, who is a, like a a stand-up comedian and and writer. Um, But like the smartest guy I know when it comes to like develop TV development and thinking through, Character development story and stuff I was like yo I ha- Let's pitch these guys a cartoon I think this is an opportunity to do something Animated you know like it could be a fun Animated thing we could put it in a zoo Or something Because um, that's like the closest comp to quarantine That we could think of And it was so obvious and I'm sure like tons of other people Thought of that but we are like let's put animals in a zoo Because that's a perfect comp for quarantine um, And pitch these guys This idea we pitched it And they liked it a lot Uh, to the point where they're like, all right, let's get some budget going and figure out how to structure this whole thing and all that kind of stuff. Um, And so over a few months or like a few weeks, like we came to know each other well, uh, outlined our working process, started thinking of the ideas, the characters, and the development took a very long time. And we went back and forth with the the, the Pangolin partners who are like co-creators on the thing. And we're like, Yo, this is what it should be. This is what we're going to do, blah, 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 X, Y, Z. We found an animator na- named Rob Lynch, who was like the guy who's done the whole thing. He's just like a fucking wizard, one-man shop, uh, insane work ethic, that guy. And then Mookie and I wrote the whole thing and, and voiced a lot of it. And then our friend Matt Weir was a producer on it. And you know, it took us like, what is it, December 11th? It took us, uh, you know, six months to make this 10-minute thing. Um, From where the first draft was To where it was when it came out And it's still not perfect you know there's a lot of flaws With the pilot um, from my eyes but uh, It's still very good Um, But this is a lot we could fix and You know but no pilot Even the South Park pilot wasn't like Except for the South Park pilot there weren't a lot of very strong pilots But all that said Like we learned a lot Making this thing and it took is a labor of love And I wanted to you know show Whoever was watching that you know Stand up is my love and, and passion, but my skills translate elsewhere.
0: Right. So, what's the plan for this? How many episodes?
1: Uh, right now, we're slated to do seven more. Okay. Um, uh, but they'll be shorter. Um, this is kind of how we we pitched it to the guys and how we what we uh, what compromise and understanding we came to it, um, with what we thought would be best. Okay. Uh, in terms of series and. and you know, the pilot was originally going to originally it was going to be like you know three minute episodes, and they came back and you know they had talked to their peers or, or, or people that they knew in the industry. It was like, eh, you know, three minutes not really going to do anything. You probably want to do more like seven to eight or whatever. And we're like, all right, well, this is what we wrote, and it's actually ten or nine and a half. So they're like, all right, cool. Uh, so that was that. But we have seven more to do. I think those would be closer to four or five minutes. Okay. Um, but really, the team is just on the production side. It's just the four of us: myself, Mookie, Matt, and Rob Lynch. We're going as fast as we can, um, but it's still like obviously not as fast as we want because we'd love to be working twenty-four-seven. But I have a—I'm working on a TV show right now, and uh, it's just impossible. Before I got this job, we were working like seventy-hour weeks, sixty-hour weeks, just trying to make shit happen. But now it's like time's a little tighter. That's
0: but. insane. I mean, obviously, it takes—it's. I know it's probably a lot of work, with insane that that 10 minutes can take that long to, well, yeah, to produce. I mean, you,
1: know, we, you know, we learned a lot during the process. Right. And obviously that also involved, like we have other, we had other stuff pop up. You yeah. Know, we took a week or two off here and there. Like there's definitely, in you know, the way our, we are still figuring out our process before we, while we were making something, you know, normally when you come in with a, I imagine it, what it's like as an, at a network is like they have all the systems in place. You kind of just got to plug it in. We were still figuring all that out workflow and all yeah. this um, and balancing everything else that we were doing. And so it took a very long time. On top of that, we wanted, we probably wrote that pilot like six times. I'm sure. Seven times. It was like, it's, we went through a billion rewrites, like beyond with the executives, you know, we on our own, we're like, this is like, it's gotta be fucking, very good, very,
0: very good for a pilot. do you guys, so do you know do you have do you know the storyline? Do you know what's gonna happen to monk and and his friends?
1: We have an idea,
0: okay.'ll
1: um, I'll say that much. Um, so you,
0: you so you know the ending of this yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna say I personally have never I never really watched The Simpsons. I know, and I, know. I never watched The Simpsons. I never really got into South Park. I never watched adult cartoons. Um, I was la I was laughing. Thank you. I was like, I'm not saying that just because I'm interviewing you, because I don't have to. But I was like, this shit's kind of funny. It was good.
1: I mean, if you like, if you like my standup, um, then you will like the cartoon, even if you've never liked cartoons. Um, and really, like, you know, the goal of the show beyond like talking about climate change and, and this, the other subtext that is like, I won't spell out, but there's a lot of subtext behind all the characters and stuff. Um, you know, it is to demonstrate that, you know, the skills that we have as comedians can translate. Into, like, I voiced the tiger. Um, I was I just used, about to
0: ask you. what I wasn't sure which one you were voicing.
1: I, I voiced the, the tiger. And, I, like, I had no voice acting training. It's just Mookie just beat the shit out of me and taught me, like, the very basics of voice acting and uh, uh, acting in general. And, and he voices the monk. I voiced the tiger and the bee. He voices uh, the rhino. Matt Richards voices the ke- uh, the penguin. I mean, not the penguin. The uh, parrot. Phoebe Tires voices the penguin. Matt Weir voices the other penguin. Like, there's so many uh, talented people involved. And Karen Feehan t- uh, voices the um, the hippo. But I,
0: I definitely would not have guessed you were the tiger. So that that means you're you're doing your job.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's really it. Like okay. hopefully after seven, like the plan is to go pitch it and see what happens. But you know, I think the work itself is very it speaks for you know the talent that we have and the stuff we've done with very limited resources.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I I've never really been into adult cartoons, but I was laughing. I mean that the the you drawing the it. drawing of the ass with the bee. I, <laughs> I mean, I was crying. I was like, why is this so funny? Like, why am I laughing so hard? And is this normal?
1: So many jokes.
0: I mean, so many, and yeah, yeah, you had so many great just current event jokes that were needed.
1: We try to stay semi topical, right. so like the stuff will remain relevant for at least 2 years. Right. Um and some of them are timeless, but we try to be in that kind of area where it's like you could watch this 2 years from now and be like, "Oh shit, this shit was is still funny."
0: Yeah. No, it's very it's smart. It's a very it was a very smart episode. And I was, and, and so people can just watch it on YouTube.
1: zooidiots.com. Yeah.
0: Not zootopia guys because no. that is a different
1: think yeah Please. zooidiots.com it's it, that will forward you to uh the the pilot um but instead of giving you a long youtube url or some shit so it's zooidiots.com cool. and that's it
0: awesome i will put that on my fancy notes Please. Um, um as far as stand-up now so i like i told like i was saying i was watching your dc one i guess it was november
1: I've done so that the show in October was kind of me being like, all right, 2020, this is a, a almost like not a wrap, but it was a wrap up of everything that happened till then. Great. And I was like, okay, after this, I, I did, I did four shows that weekend. Um, I did Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I did like an hour and a half on stage each night. And after that, I was like, I, I got very selfish with it. Cause I was like, I don't know when I'm going to be on stage again. Um, or if I'll even have the urge to get on stage again for a while and I would do rain. Yeah. Since then I would intermittently do like maybe one or two spots. Um, there's a spot near me that I would hop on. I can hop on stage whenever it come 2021. when things start opening up again, like for real, I'm going to go hard, but until then I'll, I'll be pretty choosy. I've done some zoom stuff, but only because it's been like, India shows in India were like, yeah, can you come on our podcast or can you come on this zoom show open mic and say hi to comics? I was like, sure. only well, because like, I feel like there's a market opportunity there and I, I would definitely want to build an Indian fan base. Um, cause, uh, I definitely want to do comedy there. It seems like fun. And those fans seem fun and receptive.
0: I mean, I gotta ask, are you, are all the South Asian Indian comics like buddies, right? I mean, do you guys know each other?
1: Yeah, we know each other. Well, yeah. Uh, at least, at least, uh, uh not all of us but uh, some of us but i think like i know a lot i know people have been doing it in my class uh and then there's a few up-and-coming guys that i know but yeah at least in the new york scene we're all pretty friendly
0: right right and then sorry really quick back to india do you uh listen to veer das
1: i know veer okay
0: um
1: uh i've worked with veer before funny guy great guy my my one time my cousins and I were like hanging out. This so is the younger cousin came up. He's like, Hey man, do you know Veer Das? I'm like, what are you, you fucking 16 bro? <laughs> yeah, ain't no Veer. Get the fuck out of here. You
0: could have uh, said that to me. I, I didn't, I assume maybe you knew him, but you know, trying to be uh, professional here. Yeah,
1: but no, no, no. But it, it's more like, uh, the way he asked is, Hey man, you know, like Veer Das. <laughs> I was like, what? You know, Veer Das? <laughs> I was like, what, what, What's wrong with you? <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he's uh,
0: awesome though. I mean, I I watch his shit on Instagram and yeah,
1: Um, I very much like what he's doing. Yeah. Um, But I haven't, if your question is going to be, do you know much else about the Indian, India comedy scene? I don't, I know like of a few people, I know one comic in veer. And then like, uh, you know, people that have hit me up have just been like open micers or very young, in like a year into the, into the comedy game. And it's, um, uh, I I have no I don't have the bandwidth to pay attention to people who have been in comedy for like a year you know
0: yeah yeah no no I the my next question was just gonna not even question comment was gonna be it does cause I I lived in India twice now uh, for a total mm-hmm. of like what, almost five years um and I last time I was living there was oh nine to thirteen we lived there for four years mm-hmm. um com- the comedy scene oh when it was happening but it does definitely seems to be blowing up a lot more the past past few years
1: yeah, yeah yeah it seems like a fun place to be
0: right right i think people are open to the idea of people talking shit more now at, yeah, least, but- at least people that aren't in the government and then almost last question i, I swear are you going to be a staff writer for the lily Singh show
1: i am a staff writer for the lily Singh show congratulations uh, thank you thank you I, and my manager reg uh set up a meeting okay. um and that was really it. I interviewed. They asked me a bunch of questions. Uh, I guess they liked what they heard um, and what they saw in my ability to bring to the show. Right. And uh, that was it, really. I started like a day before. Technically, well, they wanted me to start like a day before Thanksgiving. But then I, I guess they were like, that don't make any yeah. sense. So I just started uh, um, like two weeks ago.
0: So like during this interview, give me like, give me an example of what they would ask you. Do you have to like do a sketch?
1: No, I mean, nothing like that. They're just like, you know, it's actually more just like, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the show? What would you like to, what do you think you could bring? What was it like working with X, Y, Z? Right. Because, you know, when you're working with someone who's super talented, has their own vision of what they want to do, they got to, you know, they want to make sure you can add value to that. Right. And, and, but like any, any interview, it wasn't it wasn't like, a, give us all your jokes right now, you know, it was definitely not like They the didn't ask you to like
0: beatbox or...
1: You know, was a, no, I wasn't auditioning to be on. It, do,
0: do you, Garbo Ross, or anything? No.
1: When I auditioned for Wild and Out for Nick Cannon, I had to do a bunch of shit. And it was like, it felt like with everything, they were asking me to continuously fail in their, the things that they were listing out, you know? Yeah. It was just like, do this, do this, and do this. I was like, okay, so you want me to fail in front of you three times? And, and uh, they, they
0: were was- like, yes, absolutely.
1: But this definitely wasn't that this was pretty low pressure or at least like pretty low key vibe it's just like hey you know tell us about yourself yeah. you know because Lily and I had never crossed paths okay. you know obviously I, like I knew her or knew of her um, and I'm sure she had you know heard, heard whispers of me but we had never actually met or talked or anything like that so like our interview was our first like meeting um, which is cool she seems uh, like
0: she's as cool she seems like she's the coolest person ever
1: she's she's pretty chill yeah uh, and she's on top of her shit. Yeah, and it's been at least the past two weeks. Um, has been fun. So
0: that's fantastic. Four Speaking two. of, uh, really quickly, Wild and Out. I interviewed. I don't know if you know her, uh, Rosika Mathur. She was on Wild and Out for the first four seasons. I don't
1: know her. I, th- I think we've met once or twice, okay. but I, I I could be wrong. Okay. Um, but well, I, I know who she is. Yeah. Uh, she was on Wild and Out, but I don't, I never met her. She was, I'll she was happy.
0: one of my interviews. We went to, we went to UT together.
1: Oh, nice so nice. she
0: was talking to me about the Wild and Out days. Um. Well, congrats on the Lily Singh uh, staff writer position. Thank you. If you guys ever want anyone to do like a mom comedy skit, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. Or I have a lot, I have a lot of shit and I can speak Gujarati. And just really quick, a fast round. First thing that comes to your mind. Uh, who would you want to work with that you haven't yet? Dave. Who is the funniest person you know in real life? Che. If you weren't doing this, meaning comedy, writing, what would you be doing?
1: I've <laughs> got two answers. Either, I'd either be in finance or I would be uh, a cardiothoracic surgeon.
0: Oh, shit. Had my, That's a- had my
1: life gone, I, those are the two ways that it was going to go.
0: That's a serious backup plan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I tell, that's why I'm telling you. I can't go back to Kaz. That's fucking... I don't,
0: I don't know, man. I feel like you need to take organic chem again and make this happen.
1: Uh, if, you can, if you Why do you need organic chemistry to be a doctor? It doesn't make any sense.
0: I don't know. I got a C in it, dude. <laughs> don't, don't ask me. I gonna
1: it. Well, they should...
0: That was an awesome way to end the podcast this year. Thank you to Nimesh Patel for bringing a little laughter and a little randomness to our lives. We so need it. Please check out his new series, Zoo Idiots, not Zootopia, but Zoo Idiots at zooidiots.com. And you can follow him at Finding Nimesh. As always, you can follow me at It out. Thanks for listening. Have a great holiday. Hug your loved ones, and then hopefully you can hug strangers soon too. This is Omni Tucker Now.